Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 228 of the Fun with Cars Formula One podcast for coverage of the Bahrain Grand Prix from Bahrain. I'm Robin Warner, and I am once again joined by the <laughs> East Asian occupation sensation, Christopher Roche. Hello, Chris. Hello, Robin. You're not in Michigan, are you, mate? So uh, the pod's almost going international, although you are still within the U.S. Where are you today? Uh, I, sir, am in California, Southern California, south of Los Angeles, in fact. And uh, nothing will stop me from putting an episode together as long as I can manage it. So uh, you in China, me in California, it simply does not matter. So even the sunshine and warmth that we're still missing in, in Michigan isn't uh, putting you off doing the recording then. Good man. I will bring a bottle back with me for, uh, for everyone <laughs> in Michigan. It's going to be great. So today we are going to cover, of course, the second round of the Formula One Championship that happened in Bahrain. And we're also going to uh, take a look at the second round of the IndyCar Championship, which also happened the, actually the day before in Phoenix. But first, of course, to Bahrain, where it was once again, twice in a row, Sebastian Vettel that won the race and did so in pretty remarkable fashion this time around. Second place went to Valtteri Botas ahead of his teammate, Lewis Hamilton, wrapping up the podium. Oh, in fourth place, Pierre Gasly in the Honda-powered <laughs> Scuderia <Honda>? Toroso. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Kevin Magnussen, fifth in the Haas Ferrari, all wheels attached. Sixth place, Nico Rosberg in the Renault. Seventh place, Fernando Alonso in the who McLaren. Did you just say Nico Rosberg? I think you just said Nico Rosberg. Did I do it again? Sixth place was Nico Hulkenberg in the Renault. Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> in the Renault. The German Man, that is no sad. You're missing him that badly, are you? <laughs> He's going to be doing some Formula E racing, apparently. So uh, I will once again have a reason to say that name. Anyway, seventh place, Fernando Alonso in the McLaren Renault. Eighth place, his teammate, Stoffer Van Dor, also in the McLaren Renault. Ninth place, Marcus Ericsson in the Sauber Ferrari. And tenth place, Esteban Ocon in the Force India Mercedes. Eleventh with Car was Carlos Sainz in the Renault, second Renault. Charles Leclerc in the Sauber Ferrari in 12th. Romain Grosjean in the other Haas Ferrari 13th. Oh, Lance Stroll, the lead Williams in 14th. His teammate Sergei Sorokin right behind him in 15th. 16th place was Sergio Perez in the other Force India. 17th, Brendan Hartley in the other Honda Scuderia Toro Rosso. And then we had three drivers that did not manage to finish the race. That was Kimi Raikkonen in the Ferrari, Max Verstappen in the Red Bull Racing Tag Heuer and Daniel Ricciardo in the other Red Bull Racing Tag Heuer. Those two, the entire Red Bull Racing Force, managed four laps combined. Yeah, so... What did you think, Chris? I really enjoyed the coverage. Bravo to ESPN. No adverts, not a one. And that was uh, fantastic. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed the race. And... Um, and I think, uh, Kip, you know, uh, Sebastian's on a roll. Two wins from two. Um, slightly, slightly different win from Australia. Uh, Ferrari had the pace in qualifying, locked out the front row. Um, they didn't quite follow the tyre strategy they intended because of poor old Kimi's uh, pit stop blunder with the poor mechanic getting uh, 
broken leg. Um, so Vettel had to stay out on his soft tyres and was able to nurse him to good measure all the way for the win, holding off uh, Botas by less than a second. So, uh, so yeah, 50 points for Mr. Vettel and uh, all is going splendidly in uh, his little Ferrari. I agree with you. We should talk about Honda. So, Pierre Gasly, <laughs> fourth place in a Honda Toro Rosso. Now, if I remember correctly, uh, Fernando Alonso said that McLaren's chassis was world championship level. No questions there. And that was in 2017. 2018, it would only be more so. So, even further dominance from a chassis. It was just the engine. So please do help me uh, understand how a Honda-powered mid-pack team at best in Toro Rosso was fourth place, just one place away from the podium. So did anyone actually verify it was a Honda in the back of the STR? I mean, did anyone actually see it with the engine cover off? <laughs> no, fair play. Uh, I'll eat some humble pie. Well done to Honda. They've clearly made a, a significant step forward. Um, the, uh, the power was a lot better. Um, the reliability was a lot better, and uh, the STR was quick in, in certainly Gasly's hands, and he never looked threatened, did he? He, he uh, qualified a fine fifth place, got into fourth, took advantage of the of the um, the retirements around him, and never looked threatened. So an amazing, amazing result uh, for STR Honda. And now, you know, one one good uh, performance, and of course everyone's saying, "Well, what, what should Red Bull do? They maybe, maybe they shouldn't stick with uh, Renault for next season. Maybe they should switch for Honda." I think it's early days. So uh, the other Honda-powered car wasn't wasn't in the points, as I recall, and um, they're still going through components at a furious rate. And so the engine, the grid penalties will kick in here pretty soon. But uh, for sure, it's an improvement, no doubt about that. So. Well done for Honda to uh, to turning a corner. Maybe maybe they'll go from strength to strength. So uh, to the point of uh, Mr. Hartley, he he was not as competitive as Pierre Gasly. However, he did qualify uh, much better than his fishing order would suggest. He put the car in eleventh place, and he was running in the points until he had an an issue with. Uh, I, was it a blue flag issue or something along those lines? It was an incident. He had a 10-second stop-and-go penalty that kind of put his race on the wrong foot. I'm not saying that's the only reason that uh, Brendan ended up where he did, but that was certainly not helpful uh, in his uh, pursuit of points. So, But it's not, in all realistic terms, it's not to say that, oh, Honda's good now, everything's everything's better, everything's happy, job done. But it is it is a sign that maybe Honda has uh, found a knee point in their graph of success and they're actually ascending. And uh, we'll be able to see, just as you say, if this carries forward and becomes a more consistent result or if this was just a fantastic one-off that they will celebrate. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly there was a lot made of McLaren's uh, woes in Bahrain. Um, McLaren is, uh, I think, almost half-owned by um, the uh, a Bahraini uh, financial organization of some description that escapes my mind at this point in time, probably not important, but uh, wasn't the greatest place on earth to, to underperform, especially in qualifying. 
they did have a half decent race um both mclaren's finishing in the points i think you'll find they're i believe third in the constructors championship so not an entire disaster doing rather better than they were last year so um lots of work to do there was an emergency session after qualifying to understand where the pace had gone um you know alonso still very upbeat and uh, positive um the race pace suggests that, that that's not entirely misplaced certainly mclaren need to make some some progress here in, in outright pace with their car um and we shall see if they can find it or not because they are under pressure there was a reorganization post uh, bahrain within the mclaren group um and uh, mr boulier now reports to zach brown which probably isn't the reorganization i would have done because i can't say i'm very impressed with mr brown and what he's done at mclaren so far but uh, maybe uh, maybe he can now uh, exert more influence on the business and we shall see uh, if he can help them turn their you know improve their fortunes and get closer to red bull and indeed uh, the renos um, than they uh, than they have been so far yeah let's talk a little bit about why McLaren is third in the constructors championship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, could, there's, a, there's a theme developing here. There is a theme well, developing that perhaps but go perhaps on, go so, on. but not motivated by why you might think. This segue brought you by Honda. So anyway, um <laughs> no, I want to talk about uh Red Bull. It's been pretty remarkable. It's, so this if you're talking about disastrous Grand Prix in Bahrain. You can't do much worse than Red Bull did. Uh, combined four laps for those two. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo just had an electrical glitch that just forced him to park the car after a lap. And then uh, Max Verstappen got a couple laps farther <laughs> before he suffered a similar fate. I don't know what to say. I th- it seems like the pace in the car is there. But so far, I mean, Australia was better, but not that much better. So Max was uh, the cause of his own demise, in my opinion. He got a good start, was up uh, battling with uh, Hamilton for 10th place, I believe. Uh, Got a good run on him down the start, finished straight, went down the inside um, and decided uh, that he would take the entire corner away from Hamilton uh, to get a good exit and, um, you know, hold on to the position. Not what I would have done myself Lewis isn't exactly the most timid of races as your friend Nico Rosberg found on many occasion and sure enough Hamilton <laughs> didn't back out um, they they uh, they had pretty hard contact Hamilton was pretty lucky to come out unscathed but uh, but it ended Rosberg's uh, <laughs> you got me started now. <laughs> ended Verstappen's <laughs> ended Verstappen's race so uh, you know it's that was that was a little misguided, and a couple of uh, you know two races from two, Verstappen's made a pretty serious mistake, and uh, not exactly what everyone was expecting from a guy who's widely considered to be one of the you know the hottest properties in Formula One. So, uh, very disappointing race, and I found it quite amusing that the that the, 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 the uh, producer decided to stick to the Red Bull packing up and the drivers walking to the aircraft quite as much as they did considering we were having quite an interesting race. It was like rubbing salt into the wound a little bit. But, uh, yeah, really, really bad, bad uh, situation for Red Bull. As you said, the car seems to be certainly the third quickest, um, not a million miles away from uh, Mercedes in, in Bahrain, and yet um, a complete disastrous race. Yeah, I, it's it's true. And Red Bull, it, it seems like they have 
fantastic pace potentially, and you say third quickest team, where if you look at pure pace, you could argue it might even be closer than that. Third quickest certainly uh, when you get to qualifying pace, but uh, in race pace, they might even be right there with the second quickest team, which might be Well, we don't know, Mercedes. do we? We haven't seen them race for long enough. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so it, it, it just brings it, – it, it's a comedy of errors uh, that's going on in Red Bull right now. The first two Grand Prix, they'll have, they're going to have to put them behind them and, and carry forward into China, and hopefully uh, they'll be able to carry on and shake this off. But, you know, I do want to point out, if you look at the top ten, there was one, two, three, four, five, six – Seven, I think if I'm counting right, there were eight teams in the top ten. We had Ferrari, Mercedes, Toro Rosso, Haas, Renault, McLaren, Sauber, and Force India. Yes, great. That's eight of the ten teams in the top ten. It was an incredible shakeup in results to see the Haas kind of make good from the pace they showed in Australia with Kevin Magson's fifth place. Real promise in Renault, in Nico Hulkenberg's uh, sixth-place effort. And uh, the McLarens certainly uh, weren't that far off pace, you know, both in the points you said. And again, Marcus Harrison in the Sauber and Esteban Ocon in the Force India. So that was a massive shakeup in uh, points to see the team split across. I think 2018 could be the year of epic mid-pack battles as a result. Yeah, the Sauber Alfa Romeo performance with Ericsson getting two points is is truly remarkable because they were they were in real trouble for the last couple of seasons. You know, they had no money. They uh, they had a big technical shakeup, and they looked uh, pretty slow last year. And they uh, for them to score points in the second Grand Prix of the year is a, is a terrific result for them. And uh, and you have to say, you know, it was a clean race. It wasn't like you know, there was any big shakeup of the order and they clung on and managed to take advantage of it. They sort of got there on merit, I would suggest. So um, amazing. I think everyone scored points apart from uh, Williams, who are in absolutely dire trouble, uh, slow in quality and the race. So they got the consistency, but not the type of consistency they want. Oh, my so. God. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, the consistency, yes. They, uh, there's a lot of work to be done. One of my one of my favorite early uh, uh, math lessons was um, two components of uh, like statistics and uh, and and these types of things, and it was accuracy and precision. Accuracy, how close to the target are you, and precision, how how repeatable is that being as close to the target as you are. <laughs> that's kind of a that's a positive way to look at Williams' performance. Like, hey. They're super precise. They are getting. They are hitting that mark very consistently, you know. <laughs> but, but I tell you, it's uh, it's just really sad to see. You know, Williams in 2014, the dawn of this current era we're in now. They were decisively the third quickest team. They held on to that in 15. You could see it was starting to fall off in 16 and 17. But this with Patty Lowe was supposed to be a re up of pushing forward again. And it's just gone the other direction. It's gone absolutely sideways for them. And we have guys, you have Lance Stroll having the uh, audacity to say that he's racing the slowest car. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think... Um, well, I think one of the commentary team members for ESPN Sky was saying that uh, they thought that the Williams wasn't the slowest car, but in in uh, Stroll and Sorotkin's hands, it is. So there's a driver <laughs> fact. There is a driver factor there. It's believed, but yeah, it's it's tragic. We talked about it in the last podcast. I, I only hope and pray that they um, they find some pace sooner or, rather than later. Uh, I don't think Bahrain was a track that ever was going to suit a Williams anyway. Um, so. You know, we've we've seen that um, that their car prefers you know uh, tracks with less tight, twisty corners, more open, flowing corners. So maybe uh, and, and more power tracks. So maybe China will will see a slight improvement in their fortunes. But it, you're right. I mean, the, the, it's been a massive reshuffle. I mean, to see Force India struggle to score a point, you know, after their their easy run to to fourth last season. Where they where they won that at Canter by like almost halfway through the, through the year, is extraordinary that they've been caught and passed by so many other teams. So it just shows you the relentless pace of development in Formula One. You stand still or or don't progress enough um, in in a short period of time, and you get overtaken by everyone. So we've done quite well to get to this far in the in the podcast without mentioning Mercedes. Should we should we bring it up? Because um, <laughs> Valtteri, you know, Valtteri looked like he was having a good weekend until he failed to pass Vettel on the last lap and got absolutely pilloried in the press. I read about him. Everyone was saying he was too timid. He uh, doesn't have the killer instinct that any one of a number of drivers would have would have got Vettel in that situation. And uh, you know, he seemed a little despondent. Um, you know, in the post-race interviews. I mean, after his disastrous Australian Grand Prix, everyone was saying he was already under pressure. Well, he out-qualified Hamilton at this race. Uh, he split the Ferraris from the start. He, he, he uh, you know, he, he um, was keeping Vettel, uh, Vettel's pace honest early in the race and then was able to close him up and, and get on his tail in the, in, the, in the closing laps and yet couldn't get the move done and it ended up as a bit of a disaster for him actually yeah I, I agree with that and uh, Botas it was it was meek but it was uh, it's a little bit I, I can see a lot of objective reasons why it would be more difficult uh, you know the pace gap between the Mercedes and the Ferrari was there but it wasn't diabolically huge Vettel was doing a fantastic job to keep the soft tires underneath him and along the way Botas's tires were uh, losing their freshness uh, with every lap and he was pushing a little bit harder to catch Vettel in the first place also after such a terrible Australia this was a huge improvement just as you say to out-qualify Hamilton uh, but though that to me more than anything was a missed opportunity to prove his worthiness, if he had, if he had found a clever way to get around Vettel, that would have really taken some of the pressure off, and really given him some breathing room to show that yes, he deserves the Mercedes the Mercedes seat. That to me was a, uh, gosh, he's a Finnish driver. I can never remember his name. A Finnish driver who raced for McLaren. Um, gosh, going on ten years ago now. No, 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 no. Hakkinen? Um, no, 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 not Mika Hakkinen. Oh, uh, S- Salo? Uh, no, he raced, he won the race of championship oh, champions know. in 2007. Kovalainen. Heki Kovalainen. Kovalainen, yep. Heki Kovalainen was the same way where he clearly had the pace, but he didn't have, 
it didn't seem like he just wasn't quite aggressive enough, and I'm concerned that Valtteri might end up in the same category. Yeah, I think, you know, it was a shame because he did have a good weekend apart from the closing laps. Uh, you kind of wonder, I, I didn't really understand his, his thinking at all on the final lap. He he had a look down the inside at turn one on the on the, on the uh, on the closing lap and he just, you know, it was just half-hearted, wasn't it? You either you either decide to follow him and get a good line through the corner and, and try and get him on the next run if you don't think you, you've got enough pace uh, and close enough to, to dive down the inside or you dive down the inside. But what he did was he just compromised his line through through turn one um, and didn't really have a good go. And he, and he then repeated the trick two corners later and it was just like, well, what are you doing? I mean, you're not going to frighten a four-time world champion into making a mistake by getting in his mirrors. You either put it down the inside or you you draft him as much as you can and hope you get a better opportunity later in the lap. But that it was it was weak, and you know, and if he'd really been decisive, even if it hadn't quite come off, right, and he'd still got second, I think he would have got more plaudits for at least having a good go and not quite getting the job done than that sort of indecisive. I don't really know what to do. I don't want to. I don't want to lose my second place. You know, it was it was poor, really poor. It's, it's sad because I thought he was a better racer than that. And I don't think, uh, you know, certainly Vettel or Hamilton or Verstappen or Raikkonen would not have behaved in that way. They would have had a go um, and it would have come off or not, right? But they would have had a jolly good go to uh, to try and get the win. And Botas just didn't seem to have the killer instinct. And I think, you know, Mercedes came out with some statistic that they said that, you know, based on their analysis, you know, they, 90% of the time they should have won the race. So what's that saying? In Terry's hands... Yeah, you, you can't hit an open goal. I mean, it's pretty. It wasn't exactly a ringing uh, endorsement of his performance after the Grand Prix, was it? No, uh, no. But let's let's look at the other side of it. I mean, Sebastian Vettel, he's he's easy to look down upon these days. But this Grand Prix was just a stellar performance. He really gave a solid effort to put that many laps on those tires in the lead with the pressure. Keep his keep his line under control. Keep the pace decent. I, I that was a strong strong effort from Vettel. Yeah, no doubt it was a good good win. I mean, he was lucky that uh, he didn't go and get his tires changed. Right? I mean, the poor poor old Kimi Raikkonen has all the misfortune in the Ferrari team. Uh, so Vettel dodged a bullet there. But uh, but no, it, as you said, I mean, no one thought that the softs could last that long. And maintain that pace, and he managed them very well. Uh, he cleared. There was a, seemed to be a lot of back markers at one point. He was able to clear those and uh, keep himself just just up, you know, on reach from Botas. And uh, you know, if Valtteri had had like four or five laps, uh, you know, he would probably would have got him. But he kept far enough away. They wrote Valtteri really had one shot, and, and he couldn't take it. I mean, it was um, you know, it was a little fortunate that Lewis had his gearbox penalty. Right, Lewis had to start ninth. I think if Lewis had started on the second row, it might have turned out a little different as well. Um, Lewis showed very strong pace on the medium tyres, um, so you wonder if that didn't play into the overall result. Uh, Lewis ended up doing quite well, coming getting a podium, obviously benefiting from the Red Bull retirements and uh, Kimi's retirement. Uh, but I did quite like the three-in-one overtake. I thought that was pretty splendid. Uh, that, uh, that was nice to see. Yes, make use of all the straightaway. Yeah, that was that was nicely done. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I checked the results of last season. So Vettel won in Australia and Bahrain last season. It's just the order has been changed. So uh, China fell between the two races last year. 
and Lewis won the race in between. Um, but, you know, last year definitely Ferrari had a big, bigger advantage in the race over Mercedes in Australia and Bahrain. And what we've seen from these two races is that there really is nothing to choose between the two cars. They seem very, very similar in race pace. Um, Mercedes had the advantage in qualifying in Australia. Ferrari had it in Bahrain. So I think we're in for a really interesting, very tight season. And it's going to be about those drivers who take their opportunities, who limit the damage when they have some misfortune, and you know, collect as many points as they can. So it's uh, you know, it's seventeen point lead to Vettel. So he's definitely got the advantage at this stage. Yeah, and to that end, it's uh, Ferrari in first place in the constructors, sixty-five points. Mercedes second, fifty-five points. As you mentioned, there's a big drop off to McLaren Renault in third place with 22 points. Red Bull Racing is in fourth with 20 points. Renault fifth with 15. Scuderia Toro Rosa Honda sixth with 12 points, and that is from the single result that Gasly pulled off just this last Grand Prix. Haas Ferrari has 10 points. Sauber Ferrari two points. Force India one point, and Williams not a single point just yet. Uh, that's hard to say. And, uh, yeah, the, the it is Vettel in first, Lewis in second, Valtteri Botas in third. And it is I, actually Fernando Alonso in fourth place ahead of Kimi Raikkonen in fifth in the Drivers' Championship right now. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see because we saw this, as you said, last year, and Mercedes seemed to have more uh, – a better ability of uh, – continuous development to steadily improve the car and we'll see if that holds true again for uh for this year but uh anyway there's uh more racing to talk about and that racing is indycar (laughs) there was a indycar race in phoenix on a one mile oval uh the day before the bahrain grand prix and it was a fantastic race. It was more proof that the uh, common uh, lower downforce aero kit that any cars used for 2018 is running well. There was there was more passing. There were multiple lines taken. There were more risks. There was more strategy involved with different tire setups. Uh, IndyCar has a primary and an option tire, but just the primary and the option. There's not the six levels that three are chosen from. It's simpler but similar. And uh, it was Joseph Newgarden, the Penske driver and the reigning champion that won the race. He had a brilliant move. There was a yellow flag with about 20 laps to go. And uh, several drivers came in for uh, new tires, fresh rubber. But the top three drivers did not. Joseph Newgarden was in fourth. With about six laps to go, the race went green. And he passed uh, two drivers in one corner, just went right around them in an impressive feat. And uh, a couple laps later was able to catch and pass the rookie, Robert Witkins, who was the same Robert Witkins that collected pole for the um, St. Pete race, the opening IndyCar race, and held that lead for much of the laps until one lap to go when he and Alexander Rossi collided into each other in a not terribly glamorous way to end Robert and Witkin's race. Uh, and ironically enough, so Wickens finished second. And ironically enough, it was Alexander Rossi right behind Wickens in third. Rossi, in many ways, had the race of the day because he was in the front pack at the beginning of the race, 
had an issue with the pits where he actually skidded and slipped and missed his pit lane and that cost him time to get hit adjusted correctly in the pit lane and then that also caused a penalty putting over a lap down he raced himself back to the front again and had a decent chance at winning this race but he was not one of the people to get fresh tires and that proved to be a bigger handicap than people thought fourth place was uh, chip ganassi driver scott dixon fifth place ryan hunter ray sixth place james hinchcliffe seventh to the oval specialist ed carpenter Eighth place, Tony Kanaan. Ninth place, Graham Rahal. And tenth, Simon Pagenaud, also in a Penske. IndyCar has put together a strong package. When you look at the holistic equation of uh, technology and going around the world and all these things, Formula One still has a comfortable edge. But when it comes to the pure enjoyment of racing, IndyCar right now has just got a fantastic product. I'll have to take your word for it. I didn't see a thing. <laughs> I mean, how many cars were Honda powered? I think that's really what you're getting at, is that uh, IndyCar <laughs> is a successful hunting ground for Honda. How many how many DNFs for Honda powered cars? That's what I want to know, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have to address your anti-Honda bias at a later date. Unfortunately, we're running out of time this time around. <laughs> but that's okay, because it is time for Trivia. We're not. We're kind of doing this mixed bag kind of thing. So uh, for the motorsport miscellany, the off weekends, we're going to cover Britishisms, as 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 we know that's a very important topic. But the last F1 coverage race, we asked the question: Who was the first driver to win the Australian Grand Prix amongst the current drivers? Chris, you had a guess, but you weren't sure. Do you want to give me your guess? Um, I don't remember what the guess I gave you last time was, but let's go with Alonso this time. You are correct. It was Fernando Alonso in 2006. He was the guy to do it. And uh, that is now 12 years ago. And uh, we'll see We'll see how many more chances he has to get another win in Australia. But uh, he was the first one to do it amongst the current drivers. So it is time for a new question. Are you ready, Chris? I am ready. Put your thinking cap on. Okay, it's on. Okay, fantastic. What is the brand of champagne sprayed on the podium when it's actually champagne? And what is the size of the bottle each driver receives? So we're asking for the brand and the size of the bottle of champagne when it is actually champagne. So uh, for many, many years, it used to be Moet. Uh, I believe these days it's Chandon. I believe it's still the same company. Um, so I'm going to go with Shandon, and I think it's a Jeroboam uh, for the winner. Uh, is That's that's uh, that's the only bottle size I know for champagne, so I'm sticking with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will find out uh, in, in, in just a, a little while. It's going to be uh, a week's time, and uh, we'll give the answer. Predictions for China? Uh, I'm predicting that Honda is going to blow your mind. That's what I I'm believe they are going to blow up. Is my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> they used all their reliability up in one race. No, we shall see. I think I think Mercedes are going to get on the board in China for sure, and uh, I got to believe that Red Bull are probably going to get on the podium at uh, long last and um, I'm sure Vettel will be there there or thereabouts but um, 
Yeah, but I'm going to predict Lewis getting a win. I think Red Bull is going to replace their fuse engineer, and they're going to get all the right fuses in there. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, maybe they'll give uh, Max Verstappen a act like a grown-up talk, and uh, we'll see what's going on. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think... I think China has treated Mercedes well, and I and I I actually agree with you. I think it's going to be Mercedes uh, taking it in China, but we'll see uh, as the year progresses. How strong is this Ferrari this year, and how can they keep up the pace? But we do have um, we do have lots of races coming up in just a few days' time. Um, the third round of the Formula One uh, season is just. Uh, is this coming Sunday on the 15th of April? And that's also the case for the third round of IndyCar in Long Beach, also the 15th of April. The World Endurance Championship, we still have ways off. That's going to be the 5th of May in Spa. And IMSA is also going to Long Beach, and they're going to be racing the day before IndyCar, April 14th. So uh, that's the that's the race schedule that we've got coming up. Pretty Pretty hectic April for us racing fans, which is a good thing. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get your podcast. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com. Tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. And check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fwcars. Chris, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Robin. Enjoy uh, California. Uh, I will. I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye. Goodbye.